0: Hello, this is Matt Hale bringing you Art Monthly's talk show on Resonance 104.4 FM and this programme is coming based on a March 2013, issue 364 of Art Monthly and today I'm joined in the studio by Sophie J. Williamson as it says at the top of the uh, page. She's written a feature. Um, Sophie is a curator based in London and her feature is entitled um, Viral Images. Now, Sophie... Um, you called it something slightly different, I think. Basically, um, Art Monthly changed it from the case of Khaled Mohammed Saeed. Um, yeah. <laughs> because, obviously, you you do base it around that particular image quite a lot. Um, I think, however, that yeah. the subject is broader than just his image or the images used of him. Um, can you just say, um, because we've got a bit of time, we're doing this together for half an hour, um, where your interest or where you first came across the image is of Khaled Mohamed Saeed.
1: Yeah, the whole um, the whole article was inspired by um, this one particular case of this image um, of Khaled Mohamed Saeed, which um, is an image which kind of went viral in Egypt and and worldwide. Um, and I heard about it in a in a talk in London, which is interesting when it's something. Well, I'll explain the image first. So um the image is um two images sliced together one of a young man it's his passport photo, so he's kind of very you know fresh shaven and very neat looking and the other one is this horrific um um photo of of, of him after a brutal beating by the police um and it it's it's a very difficult image to look at it's 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 his whole face has kind of been completely um, disfigured
0: and the two are bang next to each other so therefore I mean, you've got this before and after yes, effect, exactly basically yeah
1: um so this image was
0: um you said it went viral just just to just to be pedantic and to just yeah. try and so the program i would really like it to get to the bottom of you know terminology as well as yeah. uh, when we say go viral just say say i mean i know probably a lot of people know what it means but well, what yeah, kind of quantity so, are so we talking about? Well, the
1: article, I guess, deals with this theme of, of viral images, which is the new title of, of the <laughs> piece. Um, a, an image which circulates um, through society. Um, and I guess the viral image has been most commonly talked about in the digital age. Um, so viral images es- escalate online. So people... Um, Distributing and redistributing them, so they can grab them offline, and either edit them or just forward them on. And so, images become um, viral through kind of Facebook likes or people tagging them, or kind of there's plenty of YouTube videos which go viral where, you know, they're watched by hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Um, and so, this was quite interesting for me thinking about this in this one particular case of. Of Khalid Saeed, um, because this image went viral. Not because, I mean, viral images, when we think about them all, viral videos tend to be, um, you know, pictures of cats doing silly things or, you know, yes. like silly humorous things. And um, what became apparent out of the Arab Spring is that this was happening for political reasons as well, not just kind of cheap one line laughs, but things which people really felt very passionate about and um they took on viral images took on this political role took on this agency because of how often they were redistributed by people um so just going back to to explain this this image and where it came from um and the context so um khalib mohammed saeed was um a young egyptian out of work who was in his mid-twenties um and he was seized from an internet cafe by the police one afternoon and violently beaten. Um, and then the story differs somewhat um, in the accounts. But the result of, of the events were that he was, um, was dumped back by the police outside this internet cafe, um, having been severely beaten, and he was dead when they dropped him off and um his family released this photograph of his face um after the beating and his passport photo and um there was complete uproar not actually because of the events that happened but um once this image started circulating and it wasn't until several months afterwards that it kind of reached its its um kind of pinnacle point um so the image was put online by his brother and um was redistributed and redistributed by hundreds of thousands of people um so that went from like facebook likes to people um reposting it to people printing it off and holding it in street protests and um there was this one google group uh, sorry this one facebook group that was set up by um a Google executive called um, Whale Gonum. Um and it was this Facebook group that really attracted attention to this image. And I think it's important also to mention that, you know, there was plenty of other similar cases. It's not like um, the case of Khalid Said was a one-off scenario The, the police brutality was um, was. All over Egypt, and you know, it was very common to for so it was an, ish, an issue,
0: sort of waiting to be exactly. given an image, perhaps yeah, would exactly. you say,
1: yeah, and and I think that this case was was taken up, and maybe because of his position in society, because uh, he was from a more middle class background to help to to other people that this had happened to, or possibly because his friends were more media savvy, um, but either way, this this image became. Um, symbolic of a widespread feeling.
0: So just to to go back a tiny bit, because you mentioned Susan Sontag and you quote her in your piece, I think Mm. around the same part of the feature. Um, I mean, she says to photograph is to compose. Mm. No single image can be seen to represent an objective truth. But but, uh, it seems as if this image has gone from... Possibly being used in various ways because there's lots of different arguments about exactly what happened to him mm. and whether or not the injuries were post mortem mm. injuries done afterwards or whether mm. they were images done Im- injuries done by the police. But eventually, he becomes an iconic image.
1: Yeah.
0: Would you say? Yeah. Whereby, definitely. whereby it doesn't really matter quite what the history of the reality of the image, yeah,
1: or what exactly. you see.
0: It, it's because it becomes something people want to use. Yeah. So and I, 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 I it becomes a myth. Yeah, which I and I mentioned um, che Guevara, mm. um before we came on the program as a, as another kind of, but 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 obviously his, I he, mean sometimes people use wear t-shirts with him on and they don't probably know anything about him. Mm. He just mm. sort of stands for revolution, mm. perhaps. Um, so, it, I mean, yeah. sorry, I, I'm sort of just adding a bit. Really, I'm not yeah, really. Yeah, no, uh, I
1: think I think that's exactly what I mean by this kind of um, the myth that was created around around this image that. Um, I mean the the accounts of the of what happened to to Saeed are do differ slightly but I mean it's without doubt that it, his death was caused by the police. No, I'm not, I'm not here to try and but, question yeah, that yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But but I mean I think that was what people picked up on was his death was was caused by the police and people forgot about the details of the story that um that really it became this as you said, like an iconic image for something which people felt very strongly about. And um, it's interesting, this Susan Sontag talking about um, to photograph is to compose, because I think that um, that, that the general public um, is much more visually aware now that the fact that we all have cameras on our phones, that we can produce visual imagery, very easily. It's kind of at our fingertips. And forward it on very easily from your phone. Exactly. And um, although I'm not really in a position to, to talk about the case in Egypt, that f- from an outsider's perspective at any rate, that this seems to be the case that, that um, the public in Egypt and throughout the Middle East are a much more um, acutely visually aware um, public through the... Um, through the emergence of of um, citizen journalism and being aware that what you produce on your phone or your you know digital camera that you upload then becomes um, powerful information that is then seen by the rest of the world and can inform um it can certainly affect a, a world a, audience yeah and it yeah. can affect
0: a political situation
1: well i the think ma- the mass
0: of people can
1: yeah absolutely i think that citizen journalism is kind of the starting point for that and um and then gaining a mass audience because obviously throughout the whole of the arab spring there's been a huge amount of material put online and it's kind of overwhelming and so there's single things and the, the um, photo of Saeed is definitely one of those items that kind of gains momentum by people start picking up on these single images or these particular stories or particular videos um, so that although there's this sea of information online that there's there's certain channels uh, that kind of have start to emerge or materialize. Yeah, you, you,
0: you mentioned one which is, is um... Mos Irine collective, collective. collective. Yeah. I mean they're based in Egypt I believe aren't yeah, they? Yeah they're based
1: in Cairo and they're they're yeah very um What, what do, what do they on, do? Well they um they were born out of the Egyptian revolution and they um they kind of have two they they have lots of different activities what they're most known for on an international level is um the YouTube Channel which they have, which um, at the height of the the revolution um, was the most watched um, YouTube channel in Egypt, um, and still continues to be the most watched non-profit channel in Egypt. So it has a lot of clout, um, and what they put up there gets hundreds of thousands of views. So what they what they Film is instead of it just being citizen journalism it's much more um coherent, so they'll interview people on the streets, but they'll interview also views which they don't feel are being represented through the mainstream press, either Egyptian press, which is very controlled um but also international- international press as well that they're trying to represent views about the political situation there that um yeah, that isn't 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 covered normally. Which might
0: actually get taken up by Al Jazeera, say, later. Which There's really poli- is. You mentioned some idea that Al Jazeera couldn't do some of the things they do, but they can report yeah. on what they do and then get away with having it on it their television. Terrib- is that, yeah, is not that right?
1: not Al Jazeera, so... No. I'm um, jumping. We'll come back, I'm we'll come I'm back to that. We'll come back Let's to just that. say one <laughs> but, thing,
0: though. Yeah. You, you mentioned this this collective, yes. but, but to digress fractionally, you, you are actually creating a show with others <laughs> at the moment at the Royal yes. College of Art, aren't you? Yes. Called yes. No one lives here. Yeah. Here. And you've got those, the Mozarine Collective, collective are in the show. Are
1: in the show. So
0: are they artists?
1: They are a mixed bunch. Um, so Do
0: they care about that term, do you think?
1: Um, they're creative practi- practitioners and cultural producers. And um, I'm not sure, in fact, I, I'm sure they, they, they're not um, particularly interested in how they're defined. What they're interested in is how they... Um, what they produce and how they um, translate that to an international audience and to a local audience as well.
0: How it's received.
1: Exactly, yeah. And so their key concern is trying to um, create a coherent narrative to the, the political um, atmosphere in Egypt, particularly in Cairo, because they're based in Cairo. Um, so their video blog is very... Um, it's based around different themes, so they've got different playlists where, you know, for example there's a playlist called The Egyptian Workers and it's um a whole load of different um uploads that are interviewing different workers about the strikes that they're on and um so it's a very it's very informative. Um but it's also quite there's some which are much more playful and much more artistic and um creative. But they have been an amazing resource for news channels across the world. So their their footage is used on BBC World and it is used on Al Jazeera and it has informed numerous newspaper articles. Um, and I guess it's just a way of bringing all these different cultural um, narratives together in one place. And I should also add what's interesting about Moserine Collective is that they um, also train other people to be able to 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 film and report themselves. So they're adding to this culture of citizen journalism. Anyway, sorry, I'm, no, no, I'm waffling. Not <laughs> at all.
0: Um, I, I, I was interested because you do mention a quote from Roland Barthes um, where he says the language of the image is not merely the totality of utterances emitted; mm. It's also, also the totality of utterances received. I I mean, yeah. is that irrelevant to what we've just been talking about? Is that, I think that's very relevant. What does it mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is Going back to you know this this image of like not just what people put out into the world, what they put on the onto the internet, but also how the viewer then receives it and how they understand that and and
0: what the context that they're in. You mean when they receive it or, the or that how they in, think about it. I th-
1: I, this is why I'd use the, the um, case study of Muhammad's uh, Khalid Muhammad Saeed, is that the image that was put out was maybe very factual and. Um, filled with emotion from his family but then it was read in a slightly different way by the audience and um that you know so many people hundreds, thousands of thousands of people redistributed this image who didn't obviously know him, who didn't know the story behind it but that it's how people put their own um, agenda onto an image um and so this is this this is what Rowan Bass was talking about this how you um, use about it. how you use it and how you receive it and how you understand an image yeah. um, is maybe somewhat different to the producers and this is something which is very symptomatic of the digital age I guess because um, you can rip things from the internet and you can reuse them and everybody's reappropriating. Things, material, all the time. That everybody becomes kind of co-authors. That there's material ends up not ever being original because it's always kind of it has another source and, always before. Exactly. I mean,
0: you you mentioned some artists that do this. Um, Thomas Hershorn and yeah. Rabbi Murray um, who, who use shocking imagery, as, as you say. We yeah. we think we've got um, a collage by Thomas Hershorn in, in as yes. one of the illustrations to, with to the with a pretty piece.
1: gruesome picture.
0: Yeah, we. Well, I mean, it's two, it's one person who's been shot dead on the floor, but above a woman who's lying on her back with her eyes shut, basically, isn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah.
0: Both looking sort of kind of vulnerable. One's glamorous and one's totally unglamorous. Yeah. But but he's he's using these images. In it, it, it's funny because it's two images put together in the same way as um, there were two images put together of um, Khalid Mohammed Saeed, weren't yeah. there? It's interesting. I
1: what? think they're both two really interesting. Artists, when you think about so, there is this sea of imagery out there in the world, and um, maybe the Moserine collective are kind of starting to make coherent arguments. But I think that it's quite interesting to also see from an art perspective because I think there is often this argument of, you know, the documentary image in the art gallery, and um, particularly with imagery like this that you know that that Hershon uses this very graphic, brutal imagery, like how. Does it play a different role in the gallery space to how it plays in, in you know, out there in the wide world? Um and obviously that they play very different roles. And um it's something which we've thought a lot about with the Mozarine Collective showing them in an exhibition space. Um, but Thomas Herschel's work and also Rabbi Murray, um, appropriate this imagery from from the internet or from media. Um and position it into other works in a gallery space. And obviously, even if the audiences inevitably overlap, that there's a different way of receiving these images when you're in a gallery space, that you contemplate them in a very different way. I mean, does
0: the shock perhaps lie with Herschel in that you are in what's normally supposedly a kind of peaceful,
1: contemplative,
0: mm. passive, quiet, uh, mm. luxurious, in a way, space like a gallery? Mm. Metaphorically, sometimes, obviously, but 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 the image you're getting is not is is, is as you yeah. called it shocking. I mean, does the shock lie in the context, really, or do you I'm think sure is, is the man the with context. his brains blown out shocking just because it's a man with his brains blown out?
1: I don't know. I speak only for myself, but obviously, but well, I find that fine. I find those images obviously you find them shocking whether you see them in a newspaper or you see them in an art gallery. They're horrific. Um, interestingly. I've noticed that there's more of this type of imagery being printed in the UK press and, and on, the, on the on the news as well, even on the BBC news over the last year. I'm not sure if something's changed, but that these really violent images—they sort of allowed to, them out more. Maybe they they I mean, they're they're inevitably terribly shocking wherever you see them, but that maybe in the media they're used to illustrate a point or illustrate a story. Whereas in an art gallery, you go in there with the mindset of contemplation and that they're therefore thought about in a different way and maybe it's thought about in a wider context rather than it being very specific to you know, the Egyptian revolution. It then becomes about a wider um, global discussion. And I think that's interesting going back to you asked me where I had... See, heard about this image first of all it's interesting that my first knowledge of it was in a quite an academic talk in london um that there's this kind of cyclical nature of these images that they go from um citizen journalism to becoming viral images and then kind of find themselves back in this much more contemplative space either in you know in academic discussion or in a gallery space um and it's interesting thinking about that in the other cyclical um, the roots of these images, where particularly in the protests in in Egypt, for example, that they kind of go viral and then are used in poster campaigns or are used on placards in protests, and then those photos, then there's photos taken of those protests, and that they then in turn become part of this cyclical nature of digital imagery that's kind of circulating around the world in a frenzy all the time
0: just just going back to artists again you you mentioned um the the muslim collective but also that there are other groups um i think alexandria contemporary arts forum one but you also talk about the state sponsored art playing a little very little part in the Mm. revolutions of the arab spring and as also as groups become more daring independent Mm. they become targetable by the state yeah so it, it the muzarine collective in a way may be actually drawing attention to themselves to the point where the um freedom to act to, to to discuss and use imagery and affect a revolution becomes because you become good at it you become spottable and therefore you can be stamped on by yeah, the state
1: exactly which is
0: a, a, another sort of cyclical thing because yeah. they'll have to start again
1: yeah Well, i think that there's i mean when you if we're talking about the the situation in egypt it's you know very you know art funding is very different there than it is here anyway um, but also if state-sponsored arts artists and art institutions and organizations are inevitably um, unlikely to be able to support political art that's against the sovereign power, against the power. yeah exactly um, so you know, there's been very few state-sponsored organisations that have that have kind of supported this kind of work. In fact, none. There's been very few, and what has been supported has been has been censored and shut down. Um, but that then these other groups and networks have emerged, um, which do support them and that have really helped. But I guess the problem is, is that well, first I should start talking about the the, um, the new constitution because. Um, in Egypt? In Egypt, so um, you might remember from the news in, at the end of last year there was another kind of second wave of uprisings in, in Cairo um, to do with um, the new with President Morsi's new um, constitution which, which they didn't which, feel
0: was as different as it should be to the one that was there before? It
1: wasn't and it also was very vaguely written so it allowed for it. it left space that there would be able to be censorship um, particularly in regards to freedom of expression of images of images but also of any kind of expression so kind of the whole of arts across the board in Egypt were kind of in uproar about it Um, and that puts um, creative collectives such as the Mauserine Collective um, in a very vulnerable position because if they are um, if, if they can be um Pointed for kind of creating these responses, then they can be arrested, and and that has happened across the board um, with with writers and with journalists. Um, it tempers what people. It stops and,
0: people doing things, though, to a degree, exactly. isn't it? because they think I won't do it because if I do, exactly. I will be exactly. Yeah.
1: And that's what's becomes really interesting about like there's been such a proliferation of graffiti art and of, of anonymous imagery circulating online by artists because. To be anonymous is you're in a much more safe position. It's much harder to
0: censor masses online.
1: Exactly, exactly. And um, and so art production, this, again, going back to this, (laughs) I don't want to keep going back to it, but it is like the key um, case study for a reason of this article is this image of uh, Khaled Mohammed Saeed was outside of that power system. So the the imagery and footage um, can circulate online um, freely and in a democratic way because it's outside of this sovereign power relationship.
0: Um, yeah. No, well, that's, <laughs> that, that, well, that's very important, though, because I mean, because the the image being free exactly. is what you're talking about, really. Yeah. I mean, we know that the image can be abused again and again later or used differently, but it's yes. free for use.
1: Free expression on the internet, I mean, it yeah. Does, but the, this, it what does
0: interest me, this... this there's not a contradiction, but this this complication that the image is reusable and has, and and as I quoted earlier, you know, it can be... Um, it can say one thing for one person and be used to say another thing by someone else yeah. so uh, and it, in terms of art that's one of the things that art it, with artists I mean, I mean the only compare I mean because I'm an artist and interested in, in, in art and we're an art magazine I keep dragging it quietly back to art a little bit but you know when you're curated by a curator and a, a painting can be put in a context within a mm. show whereby it might be misread mm. and I know that has happened I can't think of a good example mm. right now but you know and another show, it would be used. I've seen paintings in two shows, mm. and they really have been claimed quite different things for. Which in the, which, but once you let an image go mm-hmm. like that, once you sell a painting, or once you put something up on the internet, you yeah. are um, you that's you're what you're doing. It up to the you're audience, doing, aren't you? Exactly. That, that is.
1: But that's what's so powerful about imagery on the internet, though, is that exactly that. That it's not curated, that everybody can read it in. Whichever way they like, and that it therefore becomes very democratic, not just in its distribution but in how it's received as well. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, it's exactly that you know lack of context which makes it a powerful political tool.
0: You, you you say at the end of the article, it is precisely because of this frantic, precarious activity, without any curatorial control, mm. that the viral image has the potential to become a powerful and democratic political catalyst. Yes. Which I think is pretty clear, really.
1: <laughs> yes, good. <laughs> We've still
0: got three minutes to go, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell the listeners a little bit about subscribing to Art Monthly. The reason I mention this is because the idea of this programme, apart from making a good programme, which, of course, we hope you have enjoyed, and thank you very much, Sophie, for coming and doing it, is that you might subscribe to the magazine and read Sophie's article in full because it has far more examples within it than we have mentioned. Um, it's about four pages long. It has illustrations. And you can subscribe to Art Monthly now for 29 pounds only, which on the cover price is quite a big saving because it 's four pounds eighty to buy one at a time, but if you subscribe, you get ten for twenty nine so that makes it two pounds ninety if i 'm right we 're only doing it in sterling today i 'm sorry i can 't do the euro cost, but you can get it anywhere in the world um, but again, Sophie, thank you so much for coming in Thank you for and, having me uh, Good luck with the royal college show, which i 'll mention again because it seems good only fair. Yes. No one lives here. previews seventh of March in London running on until 24th of March. It's done by the Curating Contemporary Art MA Graduate Show, Royal College of Art, Galleries Kensington Gore, London. And I recommend it heartily to all of you, even though I haven't been and seen it. But I'm going to the opening if I can, so I'll see you there if you go. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Goodbye.